0: Welcome to Saltgrass Turning the Goldfields Green, a show about how local communities can engage with a climate crisis at a grassroots level. I have covered protest and protesters before in this show. I'm intrigued by the dynamics of dissent, of change, and what people do to create a different future, change the course we are headed on, and work for, ask for, or demand a different story. Sometimes it's a slow process of bureaucracy, such as policy change or law. Sometimes it's a slow process of influencing the habits and expectations of people and consumers, such as getting more solar on household roofs, as we heard last week. Sometimes it involves camping next to a highway for three years to protect some trees. This week, I feature interviews that talk to the latter. It has been all over the news this week, the Jaburrung sacred trees and the people determined to protect them from a highway development. I speak with the leader of the Djaburong Heritage Protection Embassy, Zelenak Jubmara, and he talks about what it has been for him to lead this protest for over three years. We hear from Wirren and Chelsea, who have also been long-term protesters. And then I speak with the father of Gabe Lillington. Gabe spent three days and two long nights up in a tree, which was pivotal in that it prevented the works from proceeding until the Victorian Supreme Court ordered developers to cease work, at least for three weeks. I will be speaking to Gabe himself soon, but on the day of these interviews, he was still up the tree, and I spoke to his worried father while we all waited to hear about what would happen. I would like to note that there is some controversy over which trees should be considered sacred, and the complexities of how the decisions were made in the first place is something I really can't weigh in on. But there are some alternative viewpoints expressed in some links I've got at the bottom of the episode description so check them out if you want to see some different points of view anything like this has obviously got many different viewpoints and many different perspectives lots of people have got an idea of what they think is the truth and today all i'm doing is representing what the people who've been protesting on behalf of the trees how they feel about it and what's been going on for them this episode was recorded on Jabbarung land and edited back home on jara country I pay respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Salt, salt, salt of the earth. Salt, 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 salt of Grassroots,
1: grassroots, grassroots,
0: salt of the earth, people. Grassroots change. Saltgrass. Listen to all episodes of Turning the Goldfields Green at Saltgrass Podcast. So, before we begin with the interviews, I'll give you a bit of background. The Jabberung trees are under threat because of a highway development on the Western Highway near Ararat. It is a much-used road, and the theory is that an upgrade will not only make the road slightly faster by about three minutes, but also safer. Both speed and safety are things that many people have questioned as being good enough reasons to spend millions of dollars on a new road that also happens to require the removal of hundreds of trees, some of which are culturally significant. Three minutes is often cited as being a measly amount of time to justify such a project, and the safety issue could surely be solved in other ways. I have links in the episode description if you want to read more about the history and complexity of this issue. There was consultation with Indigenous groups, But it seems not all Jaburrung people knew about it or consented. Some of the trees in question are up to 800 years old. They have names like grandmother and grandfather tree. There are birthing trees, which have seen countless generations of Jaburrung people born at the base of the tree, held and enclosed by the tree. The whole area is called women's country. So some Jaburrung people decided these trees were important enough to protect and the Jaburrung Heritage Protection Embassy was created led by Zelenak Jabmara, and after three years of camping under and amongst the significant trees so that there was always a human shield around these trees, this week one of them was cut down. So I had visited the site last year and seen these trees, met the people, walked the landscape, but I only spent two days there. And even so, I felt the news of the Direction Trees being felled viscerally as a shock. It made the whole thing so real, and even though I'd only been there once, I felt grief. So I can't even imagine how the people who've been living amongst those trees, or for whom they are culturally significant, must be feeling. But perhaps my feeling was not only specific to this place and time, but also broadly symbolic. That a highway that facilitates the use of fossil fuel consuming cars and trucks should be the reason that these centuries old trees are cut down. It seems obscene. Also, it sits badly in a nation that has been established at the expense of the Aboriginal people. As though 250 years of colonisation, dispossession and displacement is not enough. What little is left is still taken away. And I really had thought we'd move beyond this. So the directions tree got felled on Monday several of us from Castlemaine and surrounds jumped in cars on Tuesday to try and help, but were turned around by police who were manning every road that led to the site. The camps of the protesters had been broken up and they'd been forced to retreat across the highway. A handful of them had managed to scale a couple of the trees, and by Thursday, when I and several others went back again to see what help could be given, there was just one person left up a tree. He was a 21-year-old Castlemaine man called Gabriel, or Gabe, and he was up the grandfather tree. He had spent three full days and two nights up that tree with little in the way of food or water. It was getting critical with police refusing to let people take him supplies, stating that he could come down at any time if he wanted. However, he was determined to stay as long as he could and his presence in that tree was successfully preventing roadworks from progressing. On that day, the Victorian Supreme Court was hearing the case and we were all waiting to hear what the result would be as it would impact what Gabe would decide to do. So the interviews I have for you today were recorded on that day, Gabe's third day in the tree. The rest of the protesters had gathered to camp together and regroup and figure out how to help Gabe and also what to do next. Gabe's parents had come to camp to see if they could help facilitate anything with the police and also just to make sure he was okay. So I'm gonna start today with an interview from a woman called Chelsea. Her grandmother's family is Jaburrung, and she has been at the camp for over a year supporting the cause, standing on and for women's country alongside her family.
2: Okay, so Japurung through my grandma's family. I grew up standing for country with my dad and his family on Gunditjmara country. There wasn't really many people standing on country protecting. I got involved because of my kids. So I get involved for future generations. My focus is the kids and what's preserved for our kids. So I grew up learning about culture, land, everything through my parents. And if this is gone, then this opportunity is not here for our kids. So we spend a lot of time on country with our kids. So they've gone through the rivers, they've collected the reeds, they've they've learnt about the waterways and things, the seasons. (laughs) The floor and fauna. (laughs) The thought of our kids not having anywhere to go to practice culture because we're already losing so much and we've lost so much. And my kids have grown up in these areas, and it's just so sad to think that they will never have this opportunity again and their kids won't have this opportunity ever again. And it's my responsibility and obligation to stand here on Women's Country and fight for that and other generations coming as
0: well. What's your sense of what the land is and the history that it holds as a women's country and the birthing trees and what that means to you as a mother even?
2: I think the thing that people learn when they come out here is the importance of women and the role that we play. It's never really put forward and it's never acknowledged and respected. Mm. You know, we're the backbones of Mm. our family. We carry knowledge, we journey, we give life. Do you know what I mean? And so when people come out and they come on country like you did, and they actually are separated from society and are able to have that clear mind and see what we see, it's just so special and it's so important because, yeah, in society, it's always the males the one that steps forward, the males the one um, that has all these responsibilities. It's always like that outlook and things. But with Aboriginal people, the women are actually the staunch matriarchs because of our responsibilities. You know, we carry our kids, you know, we birth our kids, but even if it went back pre-colonisation, those kids stayed with the parents until they got to around 10. And then if it was, you know, a boy, then he would be sent off with the men and do that. But before that, his whole life is us we bring them up we look after them while the men are out being warriors and you know hunting and things like that but we're the ones that do all that sort of stuff and it, it that's the stuff that always gets forgotten or it doesn't get acknowledged and here on women's country you know to be able to be that staunch aboriginal woman on my country it's i can't even explain it i really can't explain it
0: can you tell us a bit about what a birthing tree and even the grandmother-grandfather tree, what their relationship?
2: I'll talk about the grandmother and grandfather, yeah. if that's okay. Yeah. So the grandmother and the grandfather tree, so the grandmother tree is a birthing tree.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's where a lot of women gave birth. They're connected. So the grandfather tree and the grandmother tree are connected by the root. And so the whole fight that we're we're going for trying to protect the grandfather tree is even though they're saying the grandmother tree is safe and the grandfather tree isn't, Mm. the grandmother tree is safe, everyone's focusing on the grandmother tree but if you kill that grandfather tree and you disconnect them from the roots that are connected that were connected by our ancestors Mm. she dies do you know what I mean? so it doesn't matter if she's preserved and she's saved, she will die Mm. and that's it, that's done And Gabe's been up the grandfather tree, is that right? Yep, Gabe's up on the grandfather tree and if we don't save that tree, then
0: she's gone. Has being out here increased your sense of what this country is or your connection to it or your sense of the spirit of it?
2: I'd say it's reawakened it. I I grew up with culture. I grew up on country. I grew up with being passed on knowledge and then, you know, living life the way that we're told to in society. You know, you, you block all this sort of stuff out and you don't realise it until you come back and then it's reawakened and then that strength's still there, you know, that knowledge is still there. There's things that I forgot that I knew Mm. that I remembered when I came back home.
0: So that was Chelsea, talking about what this land and these trees mean. Next, I have an interview with Zelenak, leader of the protest. The interview was recorded while Gabe was still up in the tree and before we knew what the results of the court case would be. Zelenak had been fighting for these trees for three years and mostly living in the camp under the trees. There had been multiple court cases and many activists coming and going from the camps over that time, all ready to leap into action if needed. Zelenak had said earlier that day how responsible he felt for the welfare of Gabe who was doing this thing. Zelenak you're sort of the leader of this resistance to to the destruction of these trees can you tell us how it all started and and what it's been for you?
3: Yeah I guess it started a a long time ago when I got a call to country and I answered the call not knowing what we were in for, or what, what was happening, what was really going on at the start. I just knew that I had to be there and I got myself there and we then went into a little bit of dialogue and found some particular machinery heading on to country and we then did our best to stop that machinery going on and then we started a resistance and it's ever since then it's been a a, a very long process it's been so many emotions throughout the process but it's a process of, of of sovereignty and how we obtain our sovereignty and how we live through our sovereignty and then it's about how we you know are able to then become the beneficiaries of our country like we've always been. And it's, you know, it's going through breaking down colonialistic systems that cause oppression, that cause a continuance of depression, that cause, you know, children to take their own lives due to not being culturally sensitive communities and not culturally safe communities. This land has a, has a very, very spiritual being within in this land. And with every book that you read, there's a, there's a story to that book, and there's also, you know, and a, a book is like the land, there is a story to this land, there is a song and dance to this land, there is a language to this land, and there is a way of doing things to this land when it comes to being welcomed into this country and onto these particular lands, and there's a, there's a spiritual way uh, and, and a physical way that we do things and how we welcome our brothers and sisters from other parts of the world and other parts of the country and for so long that has been sacrificed i guess the spiritual development uh, of people have been uh, sacrificed for work and jobs and all those sorts of things and there's a spiritual underlying sacredness that's been pushed to the to the to the back for so long and it's about knowing that me being a spirit, having human experiences daily, we're able to create the stands that we have and, and that we're continuing to take because there's a lot to Japarong. Japarong has a law, Japarong has a language, Japarong has people. They have clans and communities. We have a language, and we have a love for our country. And for for so long, all we've been. Uh, wanting to ever do is, is have full autonomy for our country, be able to make supreme and autonomous decisions for our country, have our kids benefit from that and also our brothers and sisters from all around the world to know about the sensitivity and the secretivity and the cultural aspect that is here and that is the original cultural aspect. And the world needs to know about what's happening in Japurong but more importantly the world needs to know about what's happening in the land down under because there is a two sets of people in that country there's the original customary law holders and and clansmen and clanswomen, tribal uh, children they need to know about what's happening to the people in the land down under uh, first of first and foremost within like i say your original customary law holders and then secondly our brothers and sisters who are under the Australian law and who come under the Constitution of Australia, our Australian brothers and sisters. We want to be able to welcome them in the proper and, and right aspects. We want to be able to remedy them and remedy Australia uh, something to be here. But we want to be able to do things in a very, very respectful manner. Our country is very, very unclean and untidy. Our lands uh, and our children are very, very unhealthy. And all we are is, is, is the Creator's children. We are mother's children, and the animals are mother's children. All of the, the meringue and, and dalgak, which is our and our beel, which is our, our mother and our grandfather and grandmother, big gum trees, they're all the children of, of Mother Earth, and we're all playing our part to, to be sustainable, to look after our country. But certain governments and agencies are, are not a continuing concealment. But at the same time, there is there is there is an awakening that's happening within all of the spiritual beings in this land that consider themselves as humans. There's an awakening that's happening. The more and more they try to put everybody to sleep, the more and more they're waking everybody up. And I feel that there's going to be a big, big shift, as there is in the spirits very high, within what we've been doing here for Japerong. We're very strong and powerful in what we're doing. We know that physically they're destroying parts of our country, but spiritually we already have them with us and we carry them uh, with us and they were handed over by those spirits and those beings um, in the land in Papjai, our Mother Earth. And then we have a particular situation right now where we have a particular brother up in in the tree in a sit at the moment and we're we're very concerned, we're very honoured to to have that brother in, in the tree. That brother's gone for all the respectful and, and cultural protocol to be up in that tree, and the spirits of our country and our ancestors are all with him up in that tree, as well as his his father and his mother and brother and sister and 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 all of his um, other brothers and sisters he considers his friends here. Everybody's uh, here, but we're just um, really concerned about his his health and his well-being. They're not giving him supplies in terms of his human rights. So they're breaching uh, his human rights, which is a part of his right, which is his autonomous right and his dominion right within uh, the Constitution of Australia. And that you know saddens us very much, but it also uh, makes us become determined in what we're doing to continue the lawful movement of continuating sovereignty. But yeah, I, uh, like I say, I stand very, very firmly on being concerned for the brother but honoured at the same time and and very overwhelmed that the brother's up there with his family. I've been trying to make dialogue with the brother so that I can just get a gauge of how he's going, but we're very, very honoured to have his father and mother and, and everybody else here with us. Yeah, and we're just looking to take direction from his particular father and mother and and brother and sister, and from him. We also know that he's a very powerful young man. He's a very strong and honourable young man, and he's very spiritually intact as a young man as well. So, with everything spiritually and physically for him, he'll be he'll he'll be, he'll be okay, and he'll be um he'll be strong right now. But yeah, we're very concerned as as we stand here.
0: It seems like there was some consultation with Aboriginal people about the development of this highway yeah. and then there's been a lot of confusion about who has rights to yeah. be consulted. Can you talk to that?
3: Yeah, so in the, in the first instance, um, Martang, which is a particular Japarong clan family group, which who have chosen to be a, a set up a corporation to, to look after the personality of their particular clan, which is the Chatfield clan, they signed some documents on behalf of 12 clan groups in the first instance, and because they don't represent 12 different family groups, they only represent one family group. It was it was pretty much planned to be that way, anyways, and that was why it was so, kept so quiet in the dark for a while. But I have no I have no personal um, vendetta to those to that family. I have no personal grievances or anything with those family. I have no anger towards them. I have love and respect. They've just chosen to do things as as Australian agents which are traditional owners, and we all assume that traditional owners in a sense means that we are traditional and that we own our land. It doesn't actually in fact mean that legally. Legally it means that we are giving away our ownership knowingly, so even without consent silence is acquiescence agreement by dishonour, so uh, even while being silent and, and not knowing about it is still in agreement. Um, they've put out their particular documents and whatnot and, and information, and it wasn't their fault that um, it didn't get to where it needed to get get to, and that's the way corporations work. That's how their due diligence is, and we just know that they're, you know, traditional owners, but we're from the tribal society, so we haven't been converted to traditional owners from the tribal society. We are tri- tribal society, not wanting to be a part of the traditional owner group, which mind you, is created and funded by the Traditional Owner Corporation, which is a state construct and and is owned by the state of Victoria. It just has converted tribal men and women who are now uh, called themselves traditional owners in the legal sense. That's why we're from the tribal society, because from the tribal society and from the tribal point of view, we don't have permission to, to sign off on documents or sign off on behalf of other family. We only have permission to look after country and to leave it intact for our children, to protect our sacred sites, to look after our sacred sites and to to honour our sacred sites, to to have our sacred sites activated so that our law is intact, uh, our language is is being used every day um, which should should be our first languages and things like that and English be your second language. Yeah, so part of the big things that we're looking to do within Japparong also, while well we create a sovereign tribal government, we're looking to give our language free to the schools in our particular district, in our particular Japarong country. So in our particular 6,600 square kilometres, we're looking to offer the language free, offer free tutors to actually go into classrooms and teach the language. So that in Japarong country, the language is very active, and being active means it's alive, it's still awake. I mean it isn't sleeping or it isn't being, you know, collecting dust over the back of someone's car or in someone's office or something, but it's actually being used, it's actually being active. And then with that the spirits of the land and and everything that's intact to it in that particular part of country, they know they know you, they can hear you, they understand what you're saying within English they don't understand as they spoke the language fluently and, and, and whatnot. So that that all brings all that back intact and by healing land uh, going through burning off country and, and doing all those sorts of things and having schools and all those sorts of things involved, teaching them how to do that, it's effectively uh, handing down what was what was handed to us in the first place which is what by giving is, is by owning so we know the gift of giving, we've always gifted our lands and our country and our law and language and everything to our children so and we want to incorporate and we want to include our brothers and sisters of Australia that are involved in this and, and We want to have good dialogue. We want to do the right thing by Australia and and have Australia do the right thing by the tribes.
0: And one more question. When you said you got called to action on this, who did the calling?
3: So my big cousin over here, Dale Muddy MacDonald, Featherfoot, he was the one who put the the call out and we went into dialogue with Sister Lydia Thorpe and she said, yeah, you better get up here. And I then got up, got up, there on country and once we seen the machines and all that kind of stuff we then after we we had a meeting and it was put on me by some seniors to to stand up and it was my time and so i took that responsibility and and done what i've always done and that's just give it the best and throughout the whole process it hasn't necessarily been the greatest process because i've had to step away and from a lot of family and a lot of um, community and a lot of mob to get the full understanding of lawful as opposed to legal as as to what sovereignty is how you live through it how you how you obtain it how you protect it how you have a government to do those sorts of things how you have a society to, to get the full gauge of and the full gist of, of what it is so then we can actually implement it and live through it in a very simplistic way but not in a way that conflicts with australia but actually mars up to australia and and helps australia move move along and gives it its consent and gives us its remedy. As we know, Australia can't give us anything because we already own everything. And by owning everything, we say to all of our brothers and sisters, keep what you got, come and stand with us, work with us, and together we'll accomplish something um, very magical. And that's bringing the law of the land back. Because at the moment we're in maritime law, which is the law of the sea on land, which is why all your roads and everything have been converted into shipping lanes. And you got your islands in the middle, yeah, your cars are your yeah. ships and things like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's amazing. And you're effectively the driver of the ship.
0: Can you reflect a little bit on what it's been over the three years for you personally and what you've seen in terms of support?
3: Yeah. The support for me has is, is personally been one of, one of great blessing to be able to connect up with so many different people from all around the world and country and to, to connect up with so many different spirits. By the time my time is done in this physical life, I will have been able to achieve and accomplish everything that my purpose was all about. Being a a healer, a creator, being a a very strong man, being a very weak one, being one who lives through all of his emotions when I'm going through them. But I've been so blessed to be able to to touch so many lives. But these people were already awake anyways. They just, just needed someone to turn the light on. And all I did was just go in and turn the light on. And the spirit's in everybody. It's just a matter of how and and what the circumstances are. And in this case, birthing ground, birthing country, everybody resembled birthing because everybody come from it. And me just being the messiah, the messenger, the warrior, the 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 father, the, the husband, the brother, the, the, the hero, I'm just a normal man who just... just got fed up with with dealing with what we've been dealing with and knowing my ability and my capacity knowing that whatever I've done in my lifetime I've been able to achieve knowing that once I set my mind to do something I don't stop and won't stop until the job's done and and that's what I've always done in my life I've always given more than what it's required and even you know throughout this process a lot of a lot of people have left unhappy and that's because I've challenged a lot of people in, in a lot of different ways. Never to never to sell anything. Never to, but f- to always enhance people. To always for always people to get better. Because I know what society and I know what it what what the systems of society um, and how they indoctrinate and how they dumb down and how they really keep you divided from yourself, let alone anything else in the world. I know what how those systems work because those things have happened to me, and I was. You know, and I'm just someone who uh, I, I, I can't sit around for the next 20 years of my life and leave it for the young generation I've got a very big throat I've got a very big voice I'm very very intelligent beyond anything I can even imagine and by knowing you know a quarter of that I'm just choosing to use that to my advantage and someone with a heart you know as hard as big as mine is. I've still got a lot of growing to do too, but this process has been the most amazing process to be a part of Country. It's so powerful and so strong, so majestic. Yeah, I, I, I almost feel guilty for being emotional because throughout mourning there is a, a celebrational process and I've mourned for, for three years of my life being on Country. And all I want to be able to do is smile at the children, know that the future is secure and safe, and look back and know that I've done my job. I served my purpose. And I lived through it. And I did Bunjil's work. I did the job that Bunjil gave me to do. And I brought my family, my community, my mob, my tribe, the end goal is to bring my tribe home, for Kaka King and Cooley, Mardenair, Papcha, Lenya, Warren Mara. Just to bring all my community home, so that we can work on 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 our futuristics together, in harmony with all of our brothers and sisters of Australia. We can live side by side and, you know, go a long way to, to looking after one another and becoming the human kind rather than the human race. And it's moments like this that we, we either hold on to and, 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 and hold sacred and dear to us and do nothing about, or we hold on to and we, we just continue to, to keep walking forward. And I'm just continuing the work that my old people have left in, in the footprints of the sand for me to, to, to travel. And, and I've got all the animals that know who I am and, and that I'm home on country. And I know that we've got a job to do and, and we're going to do our job. And we're not out to harm anyone, we're out to enhance. And once the, the beat of, of mother in Jaboron country is harmonious and very fruitful in culture in spiritual value, then and only then we will be able to walk together. but until then we're walking towards trying to grab our brothers and sisters from Australia and, and all around the country to, to stand with us and to get our sovereignty, which is their
4: sovereignty yeah. yeah sure. um. Gabriel's phone is flat at the moment, yeah, and, and, the and Jane, our friend Jane from Castlemaine, she's, she's at the fence, or we'll coming and going, so we've still got uh, communication, yeah. and uh, so we're going to hear, you know, 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever, we're going to hear about that. Yeah. My sense is moving more towards being a bit more active to encourage him to come down. Yeah. But I, you know, I still don't, don't want to push that too hard yet because let's see if we can talk to him. But yeah. the reason why we can't talk to him right now is because his phone's, phone's completely phone. gone. Yeah. If we can confirm that, yeah. that there is a couple of weeks when no more work's going to happen, then honestly, Gabe might as well be down than, yeah. than up. Yeah. He'd be better coming down, recovering, and getting ready for the next the thing, next run, whatever yes. that is.
0: So that was Zelenak, leader of the Jabirung Heritage Protection Embassy. At the end of that interview, we heard Ian Lillington, Gabe's father, approach us and update Zelenak on what was going on. The whole day was full of news, planning, speculating, working out how to make sure Gabe had basics like water and food, negotiating with the police to try and communicate with him when his phone ran out of charge. I have an interview with Ian in a minute, but first I thought we would hear a little bit from Zelenak's son, Wirin, or Junior. He was sixteen when he first joined his father at the protest camp, and he's seventeen now.
5: Um, we're on Jamara or we'll go by Junior. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's me.
0: <laughs> What's your experience been of your dad being so heavily involved in this cause for so long?
5: Uh, it's been it's been an interesting, an interesting one. Since yeah, he's been out almost three years. I've been out here almost a year and a half, a bit over that. So just stepping in and trying to find my place and whatnot. Yeah, trying to help out as much as I can. It's been a good experience, mm. just learning and whatnot. Under the under the circumstances, it's not the greatest, but you know, that's just what it is. Mm. Just got to go with it. Yeah.
0: Has it changed how you feel about your country, and even changed how you maybe feel about being Aboriginal or what your place is?
5: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely has. I feel like, yeah, before before I come out and before I really started to learn, I uh, tried to learn about the place. I was just, you know, a, a regular kid, just in Melbourne, just kicking around, doing their thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, being out here, just, yeah, stepping into it, the responsibility and the obligation and whatnot, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's helped me bring back my spirit as well. And I kind of mm-hmm. see things a lot more clearer now for what they really are.
0: What do you feel about the trees themselves? Or is that just linked to your whole sense of the land?
5: I feel like, yeah, it's, it's the land that speaks, the trees with them. The trees, they're, they're our ancestors. They're sacred, sacred beings, you know. They're, they're with us, you know, same as the animals, the land and everything. It's all it's all connected, it's all one. Same as us, you know, we're all connected to it. You know, you connect up the right way and you, you, feel, you feel it big time.
0: And it's women's country, isn't it? So have you got some... Aunties or your mum or someone who's been there a lot too.
5: Yeah, uh, yeah, man's been out here for for a long time. That's Pap to me. Yeah, she's been out practically the same amount of time my father has. And, yeah, a lot of other me, nan and her other family as well have all been out. It's opened my eyes up a lot. It's just about you know just the the way things are run, I guess. And yeah, how really messed up Australia is. (laughs) That's yeah, big time has hit me there. And I'm I'm glad I'm out here learning what I am and doing what I am. Mm. So yeah, I people listening to this, you know, come out and step out Mm. for as long as you can, you know. Once you feel it, you know, I'm sure you all know. Oh yeah, once you feel it, he's got that. Just keep up the fight everywhere he's all uh,
0: That was Wirren or Junior, talking about his experience at the protest embassy. Now we have Gabe's father, Ian Lillington. I have interviewed Ian before for this program, both on transition towns and permaculture. He and others from Gabe's family had come out to see what they could do to help and make sure he was all right. I spoke to Ian just as the news had been given to Gabe, that the Victorian Supreme Court had ruled that all major works would stop for three weeks until the court hears the case again in mid-November. This allowed Gabe to come down, much to everyone's relief. Ian was obviously emotional in that moment, but he still wanted to talk.
4: Well, it's about quarter past five on the Thursday afternoon, and the case was in the Supreme Court today, which was a formality. But it's it's a relatively good news because it's put a three-week uh, delay on works on major works at least. Doesn't stop them doing minor works apparently. But connected with that, my son Gabriel has been up in the tree for uh, two and a half days with the Zelenak and the uh, the court team here, and and. Myself as his family uh, representative we've agreed to basically tell Gabe to, to come down that he's done, his, he's done his stint and that he needs to rest and prepare for whatever comes next. So it's uh, quite an exciting sort of unfolding at this moment.
0: So what's happening on the ground right now?
4: Well on, on the ground near the highway mm. it's actually pretty hard to communicate with Gabriel but basically, someone's been instructed to yell at him across the fence. That's because, in the absence of. So one of his
0: allies. Yes,
4: yes. One of the crew from the Jabbarung team will be will be yelling at him basically but associated with that there's a support car that will go to the police station with him and there's a legal representative involved as well so the care and the system from from the Jamburong team is is really excellent so we're at the base camp which is some way away and uh, Gabriel hopefully will end up here this evening so we got a bit of a at a bit of a wait, now to uh, see actually see him Amazing. in person. Mm.
0: How are you feeling as a father, and how have you <laughs> felt over the last few days?
4: <laughs> uh, a lot of mixed emotions. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty proud, but uh, also, uh, yeah, just uh, just very emotional in all kinds of ways, really. So, which is, which is just how it should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's it's kind of it's no accident that we find ourselves where we do although you know Monday morning just you know less than four days ago I didn't have any idea I'd be here having this conversation I didn't know Gabe would be up a tree I didn't know I'd be in this level of support and uh, engagement with the whole process but I'm just absolutely grateful that, that I am
0: and so what's it been for him what have been the struggles for him over this amount of time in the tree
4: yeah, it's two nights and three days. It's a bunch of challenges. The physical one's suppose, fairly obvious because of the cold, but the the big thing really came from having to go up there in a hurry. If you had a classic tree-sit opportunity, you'd have more preparation, and you wouldn't be having the bottom of the tree fenced off, and you wouldn't have a cherry-picker coming and actually cutting some of your supplies out of the tree, which is what happened on the first day. So. The authorities argument is to it to make it safer for Gabriel they took away some of his resources so from their point of view making it safer means the quicker you can force him to come down then the safer he is but in fact that is a very risky line I think for anyone to take because it's left Gabriel with very little physical support in terms of food and in terms of any any safe place to rest so whilst obviously the authorities job from their point of view is to get him down to actually make him less safe whilst at the same time saying they're doing it to make him more safe is uh, sheer stupidity a lot of people I think see through that double talk but the great thing for all of us I think is that he increasingly worked out how to live in harmony with the tree and how to live with more comfort there's no doubt by the second night that he was more in tune with the tree and as Zelenak and the other indigenous people here have expressed, in tune with, this, with the spirit of the land and the sort of natural support that comes from, from being in, actually enmeshed with nature rather than doing the very opposite, of what, which is what most of us try to do, which is pour concrete over everything. Yeah, look, I wasn't born in Australia, so when I come to a landscape like this, I see something which is unique and which is quite amazing. And the opportunity to be sort of camping in a natural environment like this The opportunity to connect with the the trees, the birds and everything else is something that I don't take for granted. So when I see these magnificent trees, and because I'm I'm a a tree enthusiast, I go around looking at trees. If I saw a tree like this in Europe or America or Africa, I, I would be in awe of it. And in many places, people would be paying money to come to see this arboretum. Like an arboretum is a museum of trees. Mm. In some parts of the world, there are big parklands which are museums of trees and living museums, and people travel the world to go to see those trees. Mm. Now, in this particularly beautiful bit of Western Victoria, why wouldn't we as a civilization? Be, be looking after these trees as an arboretum mm. rather than cutting them down and, and, pu- and putting bitumen over them. Mm. Uh, it doesn't matter to me what part of the world I'm in. There is uh, there's a unique natural component here mm. that deserves uh, respect and the road building system and the, the obsession with getting from A to B, possibly not really faster at all, yeah. making wider roads is, is destroying this wonderful stuff.
0: So that was Ian Lington, Gabe's father. So the fight still continues. The court will reconvene in mid-November and even then it may not be the end of it. There have been several other court proceedings over the last three years and this may go on for some time more. So hopefully I'll have an interview with Gabe and and another Castlemanian who was up a tree this week for you in a week or two. I thought I'd let Gabe recover a bit before I (laughs) quizzed him on what it was like up there. But if you want to follow this issue, you can, of course, follow the Jabberung Embassy on Facebook. I'll put links in the bottom of the episode description. And you can also support by jumping online this saturday the 7th of november at 7 p.m they're having a benefit gig it's called the jabberung trees live stream benefit and it's being streamed from the jabberung embassy facebook page i'll put a link at the bottom it's going to feature musicians like amos roach brent watkins culture evolves and some special surprise guests you're listening to saltgrass turning the goldfields green and my name is alison hanley you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and please subscribe to our email list to get reminders and updates about the show. This program is made possible with support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Find out more at cbf.org.au. And this program was produced in partnership with the Mount Alexander Sustainability Group, MAZG and Maine FM. You can follow us on your favourite podcasting app or go to saltgrasspodcast.com. Salt. Salt. Salt the
2: yeah.
1: Salt. 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 grass
0: Grassroots. 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 Salt of the earth people. Grassroots change. Saltgrass. Listen to all episodes of Turning the Goldfields Green at saltgrasspodcast.com.